The Recovery Revolution will be podcast on the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Network. I'm a little unsteady, a little unsteady. Oh, hold on, hold on to me, cause I'm a little unsteady, a little unsteady. Well, hello everybody, this is Mag Shores your hostess from the Sober Courage pod and the writer-owner of Sober Courage blog. It's so nice to be back, actually. Um, I haven't been back for, I guess, a month or so. Um, and a lot has changed in that month. I guess it was, it's been probably two months now, maybe. Anyway, so uh, this is not going to be a very... Uh, peppy, happy episode, but I think a very important episode that took me a really long time to figure out if I even wanted to record because, you know, I'm in a, in a, in a kind of hard place. So I'm going to try not to cry. (laughs) And if I do, I try, I'll try not to edit it out too much. Um, because, you know, life is real sometimes and life is, very, very real sometimes. And the first time I learned that life was real in that sense was uh, when my mom was passing away and that was a really hard period of time. My mom died from uh, breast cancer that metastasized in pretty much every part of her body. And although she survived for, well, survived, she fought it for 10 years, um, it did finally take her life. And I I was able to remain sober through that um, and especially through the end of her journey when um, we all took turns taking care of her because where my parents live there is no hospice that can come around 24-7 like in, in cities. My parents live out in the mountains in Shenandoah Valley. It's beautiful there but there's no hospital close by and hospice is only available I think it was three times a week. So anyway, I did manage to get through that sober. And the only way I got through that sober was to keep reaching out to others. Keep reaching out for help. Keep asking for help. Keep talking to people. Keep going to meetings. Keep writing about it. um, And kind of doing day-to-day things routine-wise. So, I recently found myself, found myself in a similar situation. So, without ado, I guess I'll just announce it. Um, So, my husband and I are divorcing. And uh, it's been about a month since I met with a lawyer and filed the paperwork. Now, you might say, wow, that was a great, you know, you guys were such a great couple and all that. And, um... And so you might be thinking, well, you guys were such a great couple, you know, for people that actually met us, always thought that we were this awesome recovery couple. We met at a meeting. Um, We 
seemed like shared a lot of things in common, especially the recovery part, which I thought was awesome because when, you know, when I quit drinking, I realized that I didn't think I could ever be with a person who drank. Um, my tendencies, <laughs> the, the strength of my disease, let's say, was so horrific, I thought, that there was no way I could ever be with someone that um, drank. So I was really grateful to meet someone that was in the program and that had good recovery. And that was one of the things that really attracted me to him to begin with, um, that I thought he was really spiritual connected and and uh, had really strong foundation. And um, so that was the beginning. And for the last eight years, you know, we uh, grew a family. We um, bought two homes. We bought some cars. Uh, we had some great vacations. Um, we did a lot of things. And uh, so there's a lot of memories and a lot of pictures and a lot of, a lot of all kinds of things. And I apologize for my shaky voice. <laughs> I said I was going to try not to cry. So I'm not going to cry. So anyway, um, it's been really difficult to decide to record this session, but I finally realized that I think, you know, this is another one of those things that may be helpful to others as well, of course, as myself. I know I'm not the only one that's ever gone through a divorce, <laughs> especially if you, you know, if you read the statistics, right? I do have to say that I'm kind of sitting here still going, I can't believe I'm one of the people that will be going through a divorce, <laughs> especially since, you know, in many ways, it all seemed perfect, right? You know, people get sober, two people get sober, they meet, they fall in love, they grow this great family, they have beautiful kids, beautiful house, um, you know, I can't tell you how many times people have told us or, or that, you know, we're this great example of a, a couple in recovery and um in some levels on some levels we were but we've had some trouble for probably at least the last four years and um this is not the kardashian show or anything so <laughs> i'm not gonna be going into what happened and why and i'm not going to talk about you know the wrongs or the mistakes or things that happened um what I really want to talk about is you know how I'm dealing with this because I think well one there was a person once that told me that getting sober was not going to be the only hard thing that you will go in through life and um for a long time I thought getting sober was like the ultimate the hardest thing ever like I couldn't fathom that there could have been anything harder than getting sober and like I mentioned that my mom passed away and that was pretty hard I still didn't think it was as hard as getting sober <laughs> this on the other hand um I think it's very close to as hard as it is to get sober or as, as hard as I thought it would be to to get sober um, this is a complete life change. Um, within a month, my whole family has been um, 
shoveled up. Um, accounts have been split. Things have been divided. And the closet that I'm sitting here in again today to record is half empty. And um, it's tough. It's a, a huge amount of change in a very, very short period of time. And I would be a liar to say that I'm doing just fine. Um, it's been difficult. I've gone through the beginnings of the grief curve. So, you know, basically first I was in denial and I was the first one to file <clears throat> basically sort of out of spite, unfortunately. <laughs> you know, I kept saying, then, then do it, then do it. And so I went and did it. And, um, and then I spent several days praying to my undefined higher power trying to figure out if this was the right decision for me, me and my family. And um, a couple of days later, I got the sign that it really was. And I'm, again, not going to mention the sign, but I got a very clear sign. Um, and in my post about the parachute, I compare it to that moment of clarity that I had that morning when I woke up on the kitchen floor <clears throat> with the boxes of wine around me. And I had that split moment of clarity that this is just not the life I want to lead. And um, the difference with that was that it was just me, really. It was just me. It was just me, my life, and me. <laughs> this time it's me and my kids, mostly. And then the immediate family, which would be uh, my soon-to-be ex, I guess, husband's family. So there was a lot more to st at stake with this decision. It wasn't just me, if that makes any sense. But I definitely had a moment of clarity where I was like 100% sure that this was the right decision for me and my kids. And um, I really loved the metaphor of the parachute in my last post on the blog because... Like I write in there, I really thought, especially when I was drinking, I always thought that life was just going to, life was just carrying me. There was just like, you just kind of exist and whatever happens just happens. And whether it's good or bad, it just happens. But, you know, I think we as human beings have way more to do with our lives than just exist, right? And I learned that in sobriety and that was the, the awesomest, the best, one of the best things in, in recovery, I think, was realizing that I could guide my life, that I could go where I wanted to. I could do what I wanted to. I didn't have, I, you know, life wasn't anymore about just sitting there and being. And, um, and I have choices. Because of recovery and because of sobriety, I have choices today which you know is actually pretty amazing that I have like a brain that works and I can think um you know coherently and function and um and make choices that I'm I'm really hoping are the best for me and my my kids especially so again I'm not gonna <laughs> divulge what happened but you know, last week was really difficult, so I started the grieving process. I think the first step's like denial or something, right? And then it's anger. Um, 
and sadness or something. I can't remember how the curve goes. I'm sorry. But last week was really difficult because it actually just hit me what was really happening. It hit me like a ton of bricks that my family was breaking apart. And again, like I said, it was breaking apart really quickly. Like there was no way to stop this train. I mean, I guess I guess, no, that's not true. I could have just, you know, called my lawyer and said, okay, let's just stop this thing. I've changed my mind. Um, but like I said also previously, I also got the sign that this really was the right direction. So, you know, that's where I am. I'm back at work this week. Uh, I'm trying to keep on my schedule and keep on doing things that I should be doing and following through of everything and just you know one foot in front of the other and just keep going and um just trust in the process that you know it'll be better on the other side as a parent it's been quite difficult so basically now I'm I'm stuck kind of with everything um so dad still picks up the kids after school but then he drops them off and leaves um, when I get home from work and then I'm I'm doing everything else and I'm I'm going to be totally honest. I totally got resentful the other day that I am now stuck doing everything by myself. And then I go through these periods where I'm like, stuck. this is great. You know, I get all the extra time with my kids. And then I have this moment where I'm like, well, fuck, he gets to have all this free time. Where the hell is my free time? You know? And I'm realizing that more and more that's going to happen. My son has a birthday party this week. And um, I took him last week to a birthday party. So I asked his dad to take him this week. And his dad said that he had plans already. So I caught another resentment. (laughs) You know, and I have to stay away from those things. (laughs) Those things really bite in the ass. And um And um, I don't like the way they make you feel. And it's like, shit. So I have to, like, turn things around in my head. Okay? So not that, damn, now I have to take my kid to another birthday party. But, hey, I get to take my child to another birthday party. And be there. And be present. And enjoy it with him. And I think, you know, it's a huge thing of parenting, I think. Um, And actually just turning it all around. That's all recovery. I did not do that before. I did not know how to turn anything around before, you know. And um, another example is, you know, my son, the seven-year-old's really having a hard time with the fact that dad's gone. And um, it's been really hard to explain to him what's going on. You know, because part of me just wants to tell him the truth, and the truth is not pretty. <laughs> And it's also not the right thing to do. Um, So I'm trying to find some pretty way of telling him what's going on. And I'm trying to make sure that I don't say anything negative about his dad. And that I learned from my own life. Because growing up, my family talked really badly about my mom. My mom was an alcoholic. And it really hurt my feelings when when they did that. You know, my dad always talked about her as the drunk, <sighs> you know, the drunk, the loser, the whatever. Um, 
even recently, I think we had a conversation about her kind of in some context about wonder if she's still alive type deal because no one ever really kept in touch with her. And again, he had nothing good to say about her. And that was painful too. So from my own experience, I, I totally have no need or purpose in bedmouthing my husband or soon to be ex. But it's really difficult, right? You know, I'm, I'm really angry and sad and all kinds of things. And it's really hard to say nice things about him to my son. But I have to. And actually, you know, maybe that's not such a bad thing. Because it actually kind of mm, dissipates, dissipates, is that the word? <laughs> lessens the anger. You know, it lessens my anger. It makes me focus on some of the things that he did really well. So it's been difficult, but um, the last conversation I had w with my son, you know, he kept asking, you know, I want, when is daddy coming back? I want him back. And I told him, I said, I don't know. Um, you'd have to ask your dad. And then again, I was able to turn this thing around, which is really odd again, because I'm just not that type of person well, maybe I guess I am now, but I never thought of myself of that kind of person where, you know, because I know when I was drinking, I just, everything was doomed. You know, I think I shared at a meeting the other day that, uh, you know, a mosquito bit me and I had to get drunk because now I have a bump on my arm. <laughs> you know, it's like everything was a catastrophe. So anyway, I'm talking to my son and, and he just looks so sad. And I say to him, I said, but listen, look. This week, no one's been yelling. Mom and dad has, have not been fighting. We have not been arguing. Everybody's been going on to bed on time. There's no issues. Everybody's getting up on time. Everything's kind of going smooth. And, um, you know, I kissed him goodnight and left. And, and he called me back in and he said, you know, I think I'm even doing better in school. And I said, see, you know, maybe this is not so bad. Um... Nevertheless, you know, kids want their parents, period. But, you know, after I left his room and I sat down to think about this conversation, I thought to myself, wow, you know, it is true. It is true. The house have been, has been calmer. Everything's been calmer. Like, uh, it's kind of incredible, you know. So even though this is like a really difficult I'm already kind of seeing that this was the right decision for me and my kids, you know. And they do actually say that it's worse to stay together for the sake of kids like they used to in the olden days. You know, people would stay married for years till their kids got out of the house and then divorce or not divorce, you know. But anyway, just to stay for the kids. And that's actually really difficult on the kids, they find out, you know, the dysfunctional family atmosphere is worse. But, um, you know, I guess when I got sober, shit, sorry, <laughs> I had that, you know, perfect imagination picture, the, you know, the picture of the perfect family. Now I'm sober, everything's going to be great, and I got this great guy, and I got this great everything, and, you know, shit, life is still life. You know, and I'm sure there's like billion people out there that had the same feelings, whether they were in recovery or not, you know, and according to statistics, at least 50% of them 
you know, came to this place too. So I know nobody gets married with the notion that they'll get divorced. <laughs> um, so it's hard. It's been hard. Um, did I want to drink? I know. Did I want to drink? I wanted to drink. No. Yeah. No, I wanted to numb out. I wanted to numb out. And um, I wanted to like watch really bad TV. I wanted to sleep for hours. And, you know, I really couldn't because I still have to keep up the house and the kids and everything. Um, although I did get a couple days. And one day I tried to stay in bed all day. And I drew the curtains and I just stayed in my pajamas. And by 2 o'clock, I have to say that I started feeling like those those old days when I was drunk all day. Drunk all day, under the covers. Didn't know what day it was or what time it was because curtains were drawn. And I started feeling really, like, weird. Like, really weird. So, I went to meetings. I went to lots of meetings. I talked to a lot of people. I talked to my therapist, um, who dumped me. <laughs> so it wasn't really my therapist. It was our family therapist. And I didn't know this, but therapists apparently can make their own decisions on who to see. And if they feel that it's not in the best interest not you know, to see someone, they can say no. Um, and for some reason, I guess because my husband initiated the family therapy, she felt like he was, um, uh, like she was his therapist, not mine. Um, so that actually really hurt because I really liked her. She was recovery based. You know, she never said what kind. But she was definitely, she knew the lingo and everything. So that was really cool. And, you know, she always asked, like, did you talk to your sponsor? And <laughs> did you call so-and-so? Did you blah, blah? And so that was kind of crappy. But she did say to me, you know, tell everyone you can. So people know what's going on with you. And um, so that was freaking difficult. Um, that was really difficult. You know, that, that whole, like, failure shit thing just yeah I'm gonna go around tell people I'm getting a divorce yeah yeah great this is fabulous (laughs) but you know it actually um and it actually turned out good because I ended up getting a lot of hugs well I ended up getting a lot of all kinds of things it's kind of like um and I have to go back to you know when my mom was passing away maybe somebody else can relate to that but you know, when, when you tell people, like, your mom's dying or your mom, you know, mom's can't has cancer, you get all kinds of weird responses. And I think it's, you know, genuinely, like, 99% of the people just don't know how to react to something like that. And that's why they say kind of odd things. But so I found myself in the same situation. You know, I got everything from, like, are you sure? Have you thought about it long enough? What the hell happened? You know, oh, my God, I thought you guys were the greatest. Um... I spent 15 minutes on the phone with our uh, mutual friend who is our insurance agent also trying to convince me that this was not a reason to get a divorce. (laughs) And I told her, I said, no, this is a deal breaker for me. That's just the way I am. It's a deal breaker. And she kept going on and on and I had to be rude and cut her off and basically say to her, I'm just calling 
to switch my insurance to my car only. Thank you. Can you do that for me? You know, um, and I also I've shared this story on internet on Facebook. Um, long story short, our mortgage got bought out, and I'm trying to switch accounts. And it's in the middle of getting bought out, and I forgot to switch the account for the auto pay. So the auto pay didn't get through, but it's still getting switched over. Long story short, I've been calling this company like I've been calling them for a week trying to get this done, but their computer system is slow as shit. But anyway, so I finally call like I don't know, maybe fifth time, and the woman tells me the same thing I've been hearing for the last four times. And I just like start going off like, what kind of people are you? You know, I just belligerently just rip into her. And as soon as the shit comes out of my mouth, I realize, oh my God, what the hell am I doing? And I start like bawling and then profusely apologizing. And this woman took the next like 15 minutes to tell me how everything was going to be okay. And that I was going to be okay. And my family was going to be okay. And that everything was going to work out. <laughs> and um, holy shit, you know. Like, uh, I can't even tell you how amazing that was. So, a lot, a lot to process. And, well, I'm sorry this not been a very happy, uppity episode. But I am learning that I do have the strength to get through this. I do have the strength for the pain. Um, I am processing everything bit by bit. Um, I have a great support network. I have a lot of people that in all kinds of odd ways, good odd ways, supported me uh, from all kinds of places. And I think once again... Um, this is why having a network in recovery is so huge, 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 huge. I don't really know how I would do this by myself. You know, I couldn't get sober by myself at all. I tried, I tried for years and years. Um, so anyway, hopefully my next episodes won't be so gloomy, but I do, I do feel okay with this episode. Um, because I'm hoping that, you know, maybe somebody out there has either gone through something like this or is going through something like this and, you know, they're also trying to stay sober and that's, that's really what I, you know, I want to give people hope and I also, you know, want to kind of be accountable as I'm sitting here saying I'm sober getting through this. I feel like I'm throwing, you know, my accountability out there for people you know, not like I have to be sober because I said I'm sober and it's just the way it works, you know. And um, I hope you're not like all crying out there or anything. Um, this is not the end of the world. This is the beginning of a brand new journey. And hopefully, you know, it has a decent ending. <laughs> you know, um... I'm not a spring chicken anymore, but I don't even know if I care about that far in the future. I just don't want to die alone. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I think that when we stay sober and focused and have this 
support network that we work really hard on building and we are no longer afraid to reach out and ask for help that we can pretty much get through anything and um really I've seen people go through horrific things horrific I have a friend who whose wife was in a horrible car accident um half of her brain died and um he's still sober and he's still still taking care of her. And, you know, I have uh, another friend also in recovery. They uh, had a baby who was born super preemie. He has all kinds of conditions. You know, he only had like, they told him, I think, six months to live. Well, <laughs> by golly, he's 18 months old now. You know, and they find they find some way to be happy and caring and loving and you know they're surviving and they're doing it and they're doing it sober and it's like you know I compare myself to or my my tragedies you know everybody's tragedy is their tragedy so you can't really compare I don't you know I I can't say like oh yours is worse than mine or mine's worse than yours because I don't know what it's like when I'm in somebody else's shoes. I know right now my tragedy feels really fucking crappy but I'm trying not to make it as crappy as it I would like to (laughs) If if that makes any sense right because you know I can make everything way way worse than it is. So on to the future I'm sure there's going to be a lot of kinks in this road, but um, I'm determined to get through this however I need to without drinking. So if you guys have any suggestions, com- you know, comments, you want to send me a hug, virtual hug, I would love it. You know where I am, SoberCourage.com is the blog or email me at SoberCourage.com at gmail.com or visit me on Facebook at Sober Courage or, you know, uh, I'm on Instagram also. (laughs) So, sorry, losing track of thought right now, but thank you for listening. I'm, and thank you for everyone that supported me in this last month. And, um, I'm looking forward to some more episodes. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of parenting things that I'm going to have to learn to, adjust to with everything anyway thanks for stopping by and listening and hopefully the next episode will be a little bit more cheerful and hopefully you have picked up a few more tools from this recovery chick mag shores with sober courage pod I'm living